You're listening to Chopping It Up with Jimmy C, where we celebrate life after wrongful conviction. We are covering everything from sports and resiliency to mental health and integrity. So pull up a chair and get comfortable because you are in for a treat. We are Chopping It Up with Jimmy C, and here I am. Let's get it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Chopping It Up with Jimmy C. I am your host, Jimmy C. Gardner. For those who don't know me, I spent 27 years in prison for a crime that I did not commit. And now that I'm free, I'm living. On today's podcast, we have with us today, Mr. Johnny and Lonnie Benefield. But first, I want to remind you guys to support my channel. Please like and share our page. Make sure to sign up to get our alerts so you never miss out on our live show. Okay, let me introduce you to my guest. My friends, the illustrious, my twin brothers, Lonnie and Johnny Benefield. How y'all doing, brothers? Doing great, man. I'm doing great. Doing good, Jimmy. And thank y'all for being on this episode of Chopping It Up with Jimmy C. We go back a long ways, brothers. And uh, yeah. man, this is this is undoubtedly going to be one of my most exciting episodes because yeah. we got a lot to talk about. Oh yeah. So before we get into it, I want to, I want, I want you two to let just let the people out there know a little bit about who you are where you're from, and what y'all been doing, man, in your lives as far as with your work the past 30 years. Take off, Johnny. Take off, Lonnie. One of y'all go first. Just jump out there. Well, yeah, we um lifelong residents from Tampa, Florida. Love the city. Loved uh, where I grew up. Wouldn't, wouldn't have traded, traded uh, that experience for nothing in the world. Yes. Of course, we worked. I worked here. We both worked in the same um, job. You know how they used to tell you not to go in the interview Tell you to go by yourself and all that. Yeah. You that? Me and Johnny went in there together. <laughs> and they hired both of us the same day, that right then. The dude was crazy. He was like, man, <laughs> he hired us that day. We sitting in the interviewer's office together. Yeah. On the professional life, we actually became a registered firefighter for the city of Tampa. Worked there for 30, 30 years. We also both became registered nurses and okay. paramedics. Yeah. Okay. So, man, we, you know, we love this city. We love what, what this city has gave us. Over the years, uh, it's, it's afforded us to take care of, you know, our families, take care of our friends. Yes. You know, because that's what, you know, working on the fire department's about, just serving the, your community. And it, it was a it was a tough job, but I, I loved every minute of it. I love Tampa. I love the city, you know. Thank you. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Yeah. I, I just had to at that time. Uh, my brother came on the same year in 87. He got a certification. He came on. And I went back and... Uh, you know, like the theme today is our brother's keeper, man. I went back and me and my brother went back and got so many of our friends and exposed them to something that, for the most part, nobody in our neighborhood, neighborhood had been exposed to. I had, let me see, one, it was one, two, three, four, five, six, six people on my street, on Emma Street, the famous Emma Street, that were five, five, six. Out of those, some, some of those people that we've actually brought along, um, one of them actually is a female firefighter and she's actually one of the highest ranking female firefighters. Her name is Barbara Tripp. She's the rescue chief for Tampa Fire Department. Thank you. Thank she's you. the first uh, black female officer they've, they've ever had. Yeah, yeah. I, I checked that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, across the Barbara, man. Yeah. Thank you guys for, 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 for just mentioning about Barbara Tripp and my man Walker and uh, explaining your story, you know, because mm-hmm. you guys have a, a wonderful story of how you just became, from, went from young men to, to working at Dean Witter. Next thing you know, you, you're some of the, the, the few blacks in, at the Tampa Fire Department. 
and you guys just continued to stay with that job and continue to grow in your field. And Lonnie, you became a captain. You, you retired as a captain. And, and Johnny, you just recently retired as a chief at the Tampa Fire Department. And, th and those are extraordinary accomplishments. And I, and I just want to tell you guys, I'm both proud of you, man, and, uh, and much props to you. And you go back, you reach back, and you get the, the guys from the neighborhood. Yeah. And I want people to know the, the reason that I have you two on with me on Chopping It Up with Jimmy C today is because not only do we talk about resiliency, we talk about, you know, having mental health, you know, great, great test, test, uh, testaments and, and fortitude. But we also talk about family and, and, and brotherhood and going back and reaching back and getting people that we left behind. So so and you guys, you guys uh, just make me proud to know you as friends, man, because, you know, me personally, I got a lot of guys that are incarcerated still. And I reach back to go get those guys because I yeah. feel like duty of mine. And you right. guys did that at the ages of, of 19 and 20 years old. Right. And uh, that's right. just to be commended and just a part of a part of who you are. We're going to get into the rest of that, you know, as we go on with this chopping it up with Jimmy C. This episode, yeah. because yeah. the world needs to know that there are wonderful young men like yourself that, that came out of Tampa, Florida. And we all came out of Tampa, Jackson Heights, Belmont yeah. Heights. You know, I just want the world to know that there's some great black men out here and they're doing wonderful and you have been doing wonderful and you raised your families and, you, and you're, you're just doing so good in life. And, and I just want to highlight that. So the experience with the Tampa fire department, you know, while you guys was there, I mean, Tampa's a city that we had some, uh, we had some struggles. We had, we had some, some hardships and everything wasn't peaches and cream. Out of the 36 people at our station, we had uh, two black guys. It was right when the police department had just choked a guy named Melvin Hare. I know you remember that. Yeah, that's our friend. Melvin Hare in Tampa, Florida. His mm -hmm. mother called the police to the home. There might have been some type of disturbance. And the mm -hmm. police, the Tampa Police Department came and they ended up choking oh, yeah. and killing Melvin Hare right out in the front yard. That was in Belmont Heights. That yeah. was right in Belmont Heights Projects. Right. And that caused a disturbance. But Melvin Hare had mental issues. And, and that's why we, we speak about the mental issues today where individuals need to be able to, to have opportunities for treatment and not just right. come out and, and, and kill people when, when they have right. mental issues. Mm -hmm. Officers come out and kill. Officers aren't right. trained to deal with mental issues with, with right. different citizens. They're, right. they're, that's why we have to focus on being able to say we need monies going to the right areas so the police don't have to be called out. Individuals can be called out that can they deal with them and have experience. Some, sometimes it felt like you weren't really being police. It felt like your neighborhoods are being occupied. That's what I've always told people. So so the people that are coming in, they're only working a shift, and then they're right. going back to their neighborhood. So time the, the police were never seen as somebody that was going to protect you. No, They always seemed like they were somebody that was going to come in and record what happened. You have individuals coming into the neighborhoods that aren't familiar with the people in the neighborhoods. They, they, yeah. They're coming in yeah. and, and performing a duty and treating people in indifferent, you know, mm -hmm. just not giving them the same respect and and, and uh, care that they would if they were in their own community. So I break it down even further than that because I had a conversation with a, a friend of mine who happens to be a white guy. Me and him talk all the time. Whatever percentage you want to say, if you say 5% of the police officers on every department are bad, just say 5% of them. I said, think about, think about, no, no, that's not too much. It is too much. But I said, where do you think no. those people working? Where do you think they working? You think they working in Cobra Downs? 
or the ninth part. You think they work in South Tampa, New Tampa, somewhere where it's plush? With them type type of antics? No. They weak and havoc in our neighborhood, bro. It's not that we don't we just woke up one day, we just hate the police. No, bro, we never had a good relationship with the police. I, I had the uh, privilege of speaking with a guy, uh, his last name is Mr. Ransom. He worked with the city. His dad was the first black police officer that worked with the city of Tampa. And he was talking to me one day. We was talking, we was eating lunch, and he was telling me about how his dad couldn't arrest nobody white. So they gave him all these, they gave him a uniform, but he really didn't have all the, yeah, he didn't have all the power. I thank you all for sharing that. And, and that's something the audience needs to hear. And, and we got we to gotta also understand that you know, we're dealing in, we, we grew up di- during segregation and, 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 and when they, we start integrating schools, you know, back in, in the early 70s, we grew up in a, a time period where, where racism and all type of in, inequalities and prejudices and biases were, were, were very, very high. And, and the same as they are today, right. just, it just revealed today because of the technology, cameras, mm-hmm. video, this, mm-hmm. that. But back in the day, we experienced a lot. There were a lot of, there were a lot of uh, incidents that happened in our city of Tampa that that's, that caused riots. And you yeah. were alluding to that. You were speaking about the riots in Tampa, how you mm-hmm. would go into the riots, individuals you, you never talked about to the individuals that you know you knew some of the guys and some of the people in yeah. the riot. We came up in some, some very uh, arduous times mm-hmm. in, in Tampa. And that's what that's why I, I want to highlight, you know, some of the bad, but also I want to highlight some of the good. Right. You know, we came up in a time when we actually you know, had more leadership from yeah. our, and more mentorship from our, our black fathers mm-hmm. and, and our coaches and our black teachers and just blacks in the neighborhood. And, and the neighborhoods protected each other. We looked out for each other. You know, you did something down the street, you might see Miss Williams over here. You might see Miss Jackson over here or Mr. Mm-hmm. Jackson, Mr. Thompson. Mm-hmm. And they're going to make you do the right, right thing. They're going to they're gonna stay on you and, t- and, and right. tell you, look, I'm going to talk to your mom and dad about your behavior. You know, and right. we had and we had the respect to listen to these individuals that talked right. to us back then. That gets me a segue into our upbringing and how we were raised in in, in Jackson Heights and in, uh, Belmont Heights, and and how we actually met. You can you guys talk about our some of our first encounters and tell us about first off how you were raised up in right outside of Belmont Heights, but you in the Belmont Heights section right over off Emma Street, right over by Middleton High School. Can you guys share something with the with the community with the audience with us for a little bit, just a little bit? My older sisters, like in the seventh grade, uh, seventh or eighth grade, they not wanting to go to school because you know yeah. they having riots. Sure, you know what I mean. We eat now, we eat lunch down by the river. You know what I mean. Yeah. You know what I mean? We got bad lunch. So, so it's two different things. So, I mean, I didn't really, I didn't really grow up school wise with that, but it was in my house because my my. My sisters and my, you know, older brother was experiencing a lot of that, those things. Our older sister graduated from Milton in 1971. It was it was the last year that I was a segregated school. And then, you know, my dad was born in 1920, man. You know, a lot of the stuff I learned about was from my dad. I mean, not from a mean spirit. He had to learn to look down when he was walking and somebody white was coming down, a little female. He had to look the other way. Yeah. You know, they taught him that. You know, that was something. Can we share a little bit about Belmont Heights Little League? Let's talk about our coaches. Let's talk about the culture of, of Belmont Heights. Now, that's yeah. what people need to really understand. That's how we yeah. became friends. Probably 90% of the people I know to, and, and are friends with today are because of that part. And you know the, the thing I thought about one day, Jimmy? Everybody that was there 
as far as the adults, nobody was getting paid. Nobody. They were doing that strictly out of love for us, man. And yeah. I think about it, man, it, it, it chokes you up sometimes because you say to yourself, man, these people were there day in and day out. Volunteering. Volunteering after working hard. Whether it was Coach Z, Coach Cuba, Cuba Coach Carline. I remember uh, Miss Ann. Miss Ann. Everybody. I, I remember Coach Carline would bring us, I don't know if he worked at that cookie frac- factory or whatever, he would bring us whatever he, whatever food he had. It was something about once you signed up and you got a hat, yeah, a BH on it. No matter yeah. what team you played for, you became a part of the fraternity. This is what I want people to know. I mean, Johnny is talking about Dwight Gooden, mm-hmm. and, and and we were raised. We were raised. We went through a period of time where we had ball players that were phenomenal, and we're talking about ball players like Big Albert. Yeah, we're talking about Big Melvin Johnson. We're talking about Vance Lovelace, Gary Sheffield, Gary Sheffield, Paul Everett, Everett Tyrell, Derek Bell, Derek Bell, Derek Bell, Kiki Jones. Continuous, continuous talent. Many, many individuals. We're talking about individuals that were so good. And I and I'm gonna say this: the the big name players. You know these names because individuals played in professional baseball. They went on to play professional. But the even greater players, you don't even know their names. Dwight, I think Dwight was talking to Mookie Wilson. Dwight Gooden. Yeah, Dwight Dwight Gooden. Gooden. yeah. So Dwight's talking. I, I, Dwight, I think Dwight was talking to Mookie Wilson at the time. He was telling him some stuff about all these now, guys. Now, considering now the year. Yeah. yeah and these guys yeah. on, on his team were just as ma- were amazed at how good he, he was. was. He was yeah. like, Look, he said, I got some guys, this, that, that, that. And then Mookie was like, well, where he at? <laughs> They're yeah. in Tampa, Florida, yeah? Exactly. He was trying to let them know, man. Y'all don't even know, man. Yeah, I yeah. don't get a whole team, man. Go ahead and wipe y'all. <laughs> <laughs> man, it is so amazing. That's what I love about being able to talk. What I want people to know is Belmont Heights literally, it not only nurtured and raised black young boys into black men, it raised us in, in consciousness. It gave us opportunities. I mean, well, individuals beyond baseball. It gave us foundations from we because we had coaches that were mm-hmm. so that were so into they were dedicated to making us better young boys and we grew in, and helped us grow into to be better men. I remember I started playing back in nineteen I believe it was seventy five seventy six one mm-hmm. of them and you guys was on Colonial Cleaners I was right, on, yeah. I played for Larkin's Insurance Company Larkin Insurance and and that was we and you know I, I wanted to play baseball. Because I saw this guy in my neighborhood named Willie Thompson. Right. And Willie Thompson had a red and white uniform. And I, I, I believe it was red and white. I used to see him. I think he played for Big John's. I, I ain't yeah. sure. But I used to see him in his uniform. And I'd be like, man, I, I like to wear a uniform like that. Right. So, so I, I go for tryouts at, uh, at the field at Belmont Heights. And you guys know tryouts yeah. is, is exactly what it is. It's tryouts. It's packed. Because it is packed. I mean, you might see a hundred plus kids out there, and, and and you are really trying out for the team. Everybody didn't make the team. No, yeah. There was a lot of kids leaving out of there, you know, feeling feeling bad, crying because everybody is not going to be on the team. Yeah. So so, so when I tried out, you know, I, I made I made it on Lockins. They put me on Lockins, Lockins insurance, yeah. and, yeah. and you guys was on Colonial Cleaners. Right. I think we were like nine years old. Yeah. Yeah. Eight nine years old. We on Colonial nine ten years. Not nine years old. We on Colonial yeah, yeah. and you on Colonial. But I tell you, 
I was so disappointed because I wanted a uniform. <laughs> right, you wanted a uniform. <laughs> uniform. Hey, Jenny, me and out too. Hey, <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted not just a hat and a t-shirt. I right. wanted a whole uniform. Right, the socks, the shirt, everything. Right? And here I am with this little t-shirt. Right. And, I, and, I, and my coach was Coach Jesse. Yeah, yeah. Coach Jesse. And, uh, you know, Jesse was my first coach that really – Gave me the nourishing and, and the coaching and the mentoring. And, and we, we used to practice over there behind Lomax. And, and Jesse would tell me, Jimmy C, man, look here. You good, man. And, and, and then he taught me certain pitches. And next thing you know, I'm pitching. Because I used to like to throw rocks. So now I'm pitching. But then he knew I had a strong arm. So he got me a shortstop. Right. And, and that's what got me started. Mm-hmm. But, but, but that was the first year. And meeting you guys that next year, I was on Pepsi Cola, and you guys had went up to Stone and Gordon. Right, right. Well, we started with just the T-shirt and the hat. Yeah. <laughs> and once we once we got to the to, to the the major league level, yeah, we right. want everything. Man. That's when everything hey. started. That's when that com- competition. What? And that's when that's when we had some of the greatest oh, talent. I'm, I'm going to say some of the greatest talent. Saturday night under the lights. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness. Man. If y'all had, if they didn't have video cameras like they got now, man, Ooh, man. games yeah. would last up to 11, 12 o'clock at night. Yeah, little league baseball games, and, and yeah. the games go all day. And they pack. Yep, and the fields is packed, and the and yeah. you got the, all the black women and men out there, and the, and the the kids. I mean, this is when baseball was at its finest. All the boys. All we wanted to do was just go out and compete. In every right. game you played, whether you was the best team or the worst team, you know, everybody felt that we were all equal. And right. every game was played with intensity. That part gave me something more, man. It just gave me something more. I can't really describe it. It gave me more of a um, – it gave me – now, my dad gave me that no, don't give up attitude, but they made me put it into play. You understand me? They made me actually carry out those things. Dwight came to practice, man, the day before he got drafted. Yeah. He was on the field together. See, you guys, see, see, we're, we're family right here. And yeah. see, you guys talking, people people hear y'all say first name. When you call Dwight, you I'm just. I'm sorry. I'm Dwight, sorry. Dwight, Dwight good. My bad. Dwight. My bad. People don't know. Dwight, Dwight, Dwight good. You're talking about, you're talking about a Cy Young Award winner. You're talking about one of the greatest pitchers yeah, yeah. ever yeah. pitched. In, in Little League and Major League, yes. high school, the whole nine. Yes, yes. By first names only. Yeah. But the audience, the audience, they, they don't, don't know. I'm sorry, man. They don't, I, they don't, they don't yeah. know. We say put some respect on it, huh? That we were around some of the greatest men and ball players of our time. Yes. And our time. And, yes. And, and we had the respect, love, admiration, and humility that was that was instilled into us. We had our foundations built at Belmont Heights Little League. And yeah. I tell people, we went from 1973 to 1981. We went to the Little League World Series four times. Right. 73, 79, 81, and 80 and 81. Now that's just the major league now. You know they went to the major, they went a total of six. Because you got to talk about the 13-year-olds. The 13 year old, that was the one they, they won. They, they, they won the 13 year old all stars. Me and did you we, talk about it. Did we win? Yes, yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't realize that. The Nationals had uh their their world series, I think it was in Gary and Gary and Everett. In Gary, yeah. Yeah, they had the, yeah, that was when Floyd, no, uh, they didn't televise, it was only on the radio. We yeah, heard Floyd, on the radio. Keith, 
I don't know if Daryl Mitchell was on that team. No, he wasn't. Andre, no. Andre, Andre Darby. Andre Darby was on that team. Floyd. Cecil Coley. You had Cecil Coley. Keith. Keith Davis. Keith, Keith Davis. Yeah. yeah. Keith Davis. Yeah. That, you know. Melvin Johnson. Mm-hmm. You had Vance Lovelace. You listen, know, listen to this, though. It's monetary, right? Listen to this. This is how well of all the machine we had. That Yeah, I'm going to tell you, we went 30 and 0. Nobody in the city beat us. We beat some people twice, some people three times. Yeah. Right, I would play. I was playing second base behind uh, Keith Davis, and Keith would figure out, "Hey man, I don't got you know get a couple back." Then he said, "Coach, let Benefield get a couple back." What play? What kid you know let that happen, man? Yeah. What kid do you know that yeah. would do that? Yeah, you understand me? Yeah. My first at bat that he did that I got me a home run. So I always tell him, man, if it wasn't been for him, I wouldn't have got that. Yeah, Jimmy knew that too. Jimmy, Jimmy was at North Seminole, man. And they tried to get him yeah. a kid. <laughs> well, you know, I, got, I, I mean, I, I mean, you know, I got to tell that story because because no one will know it. You know, right. and we mentioned, you know, I thought we went four times: 1973, 1979, 1980, 1981. But yeah. Okay. So my thing is, you know, during this time, you and I played, Lana, you and I played on the all-star team, one all-star team together. But the next time, the next opportunity I had to play on the all-star team would have been that 13-year-old. And, yeah. and, and we, won, we won the league because yeah. we had some ballers, man. Yeah. And this, this is what I tell people. Everybody didn't get acknowledged at Belmont Heights Little League because there was a little favoritism. Sometimes you may have had individuals that just didn't know the right people and, and, and they didn't get on the all-star team. Right. So right. so but it was some better players that didn't make the all-star yeah, team. Yeah. About Jim Jim Melvin. I'm trying I'm trying to figure out how Baker didn't make the all-star Kelvin team. Baker. I, I mean it, it, it can be many names, but this is what I want people to know. When after our year, our major league year, we went to the senior American. That and this was the first year senior American had had a all-star team, 13-year-old. That was uh that was 1979. Right. First year they did it, yeah. That was the first year they did it. So mm-hmm. this is what I want people to know. My team went over, me, Sammy Jackson, Daryl Lindsay, uh Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy Everett. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I can keep naming them uh Pookie. My, uh man, Ray, Ray, man, I, I just know a few few names. Ray Brown. Ray Brown. Ray Brown. Yeah. I mean, but it was a lot of different guys, man. But we had an awesome team. Tony Thomas. We had an awesome team. Do I had Tony? I'm thinking so. Okay. I know we had uh, Herbie. Herbie Carrington. Yeah. 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 Hey, and, and that's my dude, too. But listen, <laughs> look here. We played in a, in a, in a league at that time that was very, very competitive. Right. Yeah. I happened to, I happened to quit. I, I and, and, and and you know I don't normally quit nothing, but I happened to quit because I forget what coach it was. You know, tried to tell me I couldn't have my baseball uniform on at the pool room, at the pool hall, or something. You know, I was at the pool room on Twenty Second Street. Right. <laughs> hey, hey, Jimmy, you know you're wrong though, man. Uh, so, you so, know why you tripping? So what I you did, know I, you know you won't put that uniform on. I quit. I took the uniform off and threw it at him. Yeah, I'm good anyway. So you know I'm, I quit. 
And my and my auntie was like, you you did what? You quit? I went home and told her I quit. She said, if you don't get your behind down there, I done paid for that mouthpiece. I done paid for 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 your physical. Cause remember, physicals costed us. Yeah, you had to pay for a physical back then before you could play. Right. And you had to have you had you got to get physical cleats. You know all this stuff, man. My, and my aunt done paid for all this stuff. She said, if you don't get your behind back down there and tell them people you you sorry and you apologize, you won't back on that team. So I went back and I and I apologized and I got back on the team. Right. And we had a wonderful. Let me tell you, that may have been my best season. That may right. have been uh, one of my best seasons. man. That look, man, we balled. We man, we balled out, man. Right. Won the won the senior American and went on and got and went on and played for the park for Belmont Heights. We represented yeah. the park. Yeah, uh, uh, districts. The district. And man, yeah. I didn't make the All Star team. Let me tell you how hurt I was. <laughs> I was so hurt. <laughs> Cause I'm like, are you serious? And they were like, yeah, you quit earlier in the year. Well, you should have told me that when I before I came back. Right, right. right. Came back, but but I didn't make that all star team, and they didn't let me make another all star team after that. And I'm telling you, I played on the picture. This guy on that picture, I don't even know who he is. (laughs) Hey, look, (laughs) I didn't make the all star team two years. And, and and when we won one of those years, we won the championship. I had a, a right to leave there. You know, I left. I left after after the second season. We in and, and first uh, the first senior national season. You guys won, right? Y'all won, Lonnie. And uh, and, I, and we have a debate about you know how how y'all played us. I played for Freddie's Drive-In Market, and all I remember is we we we, we gave y'all the business, and and, and and it went back and forth. Y'all had Pinar pitching. Y'all had Dwight pitching on the mound. Y'all ain't never pitched Dwight right against us. And that's Derek Singleton. When y'all pitched against us, it was Dwight Gooden. And Dwight was on the mound every time y'all pitched, played us. And he better been because we coming. And, and, and that's all I knew. But you guys had a phenomenal team. Y'all won it that year. But the next year, Freddie's drive-in came in and we did our thing. And, and, and I tell people, it was just so competitive, man. And I remember you two guys, y'all was fast. And if, if, if you got on first base, I'm coming to pick you off. I'm going to get you. So And y'all was, so, y'all was speedsters. Y'all was speedsters, and, and it was hard. It was very difficult trying to keep you guys from running and stealing second and third base on me. But I tell yeah. you this. When I went over and played at North Seminole, I met some real good dudes, man. Rick Huckabee, man, my man Travis Hatton. I met, I met uh, uh, my man so, Cody, Nyst- Cody Nystrom. Uh-huh. You know, so many good dudes, man. Yeah. I tell you, we was playing, and I actually, I made the all-star team. I made the all-star team that year, and I was mm-hmm. the only black guy on that all-star team. But let me tell you what happened. I pitched and played shortstop, and they wouldn't let me pitch in in that game, in the one game. And then, and then I didn't get to play shortstop. And, and it was another guy at shortstop, and I was like, are you serious? They said, yeah, we got you in the outfield. I said, I ain't played outfield all year long. I ain't, right. never, I ain't played outfield since I was in uh, playing with the little the shirt and the hat. I played I played shortstop my entire time. Right. If I wasn't pitching, I was playing shortstop. Right. And, and these dudes, this how this is where the racism came in. I didn't get the opportunity to play. I'm the only black on that team. I didn't get the opportunity to pitch when I felt I was the best pitcher on that team. And I didn't get the opportunity to play shortstop where I knew I was the best shortstop. Right. And, and man, we got beat. And I remember playing you guys, and they were some, and the coach, somebody, well, oh, Jimmy, we got you pitching today. And I was like, no, nah, it's not going to happen. 
and and it's not because I was fearful of the lineup because you got to have all this. <laughs> but, but but the reason was I wasn't fitting the pitch against my dudes, y'all, yeah. my dudes. and I felt yeah. I'm I'm competitive, man. Right. But I feel I look, man. I ain't gonna pitch against my dudes, man. No, yeah, not gonna do that, mm-hmm. man. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. You so I did, you did the right thing. We didn't tell you up. <laughs> <laughs> We took that first. We took that first. You know how we think. Dwight, Dwight low key like that. You know how Dwight do. Yeah, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna try to take Jimmy D. That's what they're gonna do. Everybody here, I'm gonna try to take him deep. Listen to me. People don't know the type of hitter that Dwight Gooden was. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. And and, and you talking about a hitter? And that's just like Gary. Just like Gary. Gary. You know Gary. And 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 in fact, I don't know if Gary. Out pitched Dwight, but uh, Gary was Gary was a good pitcher. He was great pitcher. He was a good pitcher. He hit his out. So, so when you say people don't know how good of a hitter Dwight was, Dwight won uh, batting titles amongst the pitchers when he was in the major league. Oh, okay, a few times. Okay, yeah. So he was he was a great hitter even in the major leagues. He hit the ball as far as the pitchers as far as the pitchers was concerned. Yeah, Dwight was a hitter, man. Yeah, yeah, man. But man, I tell you, I tell people all the time, man, Jim, you had the best move. First base, man. I can still remember you picking me off at first base, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was 13 years old, man. I was like, God dang this dude long way, because you long and your leg was long, and I don't know where the ball came from or nothing. And I was moving at the time. <laughs> I was moving like hey, I couldn't do nothing. When the ball, when the ball, when I had moved to the right, the ball had to hit the first base and it pop, and I had to take off. <laughs> <laughs> man, my move. That, uh, even in even in professional, even when I was with the Cubs, the guys said, "Man, your move was so fast." And these individuals with the Cubs right today that remember me still remember. We remember him by his pickoff move. He the pickoff yeah. move was so fast. Yeah, oh, my goodness. Yeah. But I want you all to do it. Explain because you you were getting ready to explain how you guys went thirty and zero and you didn't represent District Thirteen. Oh Actually, yeah. We yeah. had a consortment of all the teams represent District Thirteen. But, right. but except Belmont Heights, you guys wouldn't participate. Tell the tell the audience what happened and why you wouldn't participate. Well, well it was a long-standing tradition, as far as I knew. We never sent anybody because Belmont Heights was always winning that division. So you, the big league team, you basically had a, a big league team, one team for each park. Right. Yeah. We were at an all-black baseball park. Yeah. And and um, and, and at this in these days, you know, Tampa, Tampa, we represented Tampa. Belmont Heights represented Tampa as an all-black baseball team. And, and like you guys were saying, you didn't lose a game. And, and undoubtedly, the majority players, if not all, the players on, on Belmont Heights' uh, big league team could have started at every position on an all-star team and probably, yeah. and, and probably you know, better than every player in the league at their position. Yeah. That's, that's, just, how, me, that's just how great the talent was. Yeah. I want people to understand that <clears throat> we came up in an era – People, you know, people hear, like I said, they, they, they hear the big names, man. You, they hear the Dwight Goodens, the Gary Sheffield, these phenomenal players, man. These were f- phenomenal players at Belmont Heights Little League. They hear about Derek Bell, Carl Everett. They, they hear about Jimmy uh, Garman. They hear, you know, I mean, all of us. But, yeah. but, but these guys at the major league level. But I just want people to know that it was so many guys that played in the league that were actually – very competent. They just didn't. They just didn't get an opportunity to to get 
to get to the level of greatness that uh, our Floyd Yeomans are at and Dwight Goodens and Gary Sheffield. We had ball players, man. It was a multi-sport part in the sense that the coaches coach football. Yeah. After your baseball season was over, you wouldn't play football for your baseball coach. In other words, we had a lot of true athletes out there. That these, yeah. uh, as far as you know, the coach, they could play anything. Uh, the Vikings, they would come up there and recruit. Yeah, I want us to, to to allude back to the Tampa Eagles. Now, now you guys, I, you know, I played for the Tampa Eagles my all of my years. Right. Man. Well, it was right in your backyard too. Yeah, it was right down the road from right down the street from me. So, uh, you know, I'm playing with the Tampa Eagles football, and that's why I tell people I love football so much because we. I believe we was the best in Tampa. I believe we was the best in the state of Florida. Y'all yeah. biggest rival was the Spartans, right? Yes, Tampa Spartans was our biggest rivals right. in, in Tampa. Now, right. we played Miami Boys boys and Girls Club, and they were our greatest opponents. I can bet. Yeah. I can tell you, that was in Dallas down there. Now, 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 Miami Boys and Girls Club was tough talent, tough, right. tough to beat. But we beat them, and they come to, they come to Tampa – and they beat us because we had three leagues, the A and B and the C league. Mm-hmm. And that's why my man Buford Mills out there, he doing what he's still doing. He coaching. Terrence Cotman. So many, so many ball players, man. We had, we had uh we had phenomenal coaching. We had we had mentorship, man, that mm-hmm. was just, just unparalleled. Yeah. I tell you, it, it, that was uh, a growth period for me. That was phenomenal. So mm-hmm. I, I actually got the best football and the best baseball. It, 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 that a young kid could get right, and none of it was spent. None of your youth was spent inside, mostly, and that's one of the things that kind of bothers me with today. A lot of people, a lot of kids, have to spend their youthful years inside or not doing anything that's really building them up. It's a lot of things that they're actually experiencing. It's stuff that's actually distorting their views about life and about the future. Whereas we were just, you know, engaged in stuff and and and, and faced with. When, you, when you're competing and you're faced yeah. with an adversity and you overcome it, all it has to do is happen one or two times. I mean, you can lose a lot of your games, but that one game where you come back from a game that you were certain to lose and you come back and win it, man, it's, yeah. it changes everything about you. You know, it can yeah. change everything about you because you, you can't have anybody tell you you can't do it. Jimmy, how about they took that, car, that, that game from us? Oh, yeah. They yeah. call that bark when I catch it. I mean, literally, they that was they call the ball on the couch on the catcher, and we lost the game behind that. Yeah, yeah. And, they, and they and they brought the runner in. Yeah, <clears throat> right. They walked by. They brought the runner in. The runner in. We're we're twelve years old. The runners on third base. They call a balk in the, the last inning with two outs, and the guy on, on third the base on the catcher. On the catcher, and they call a balk on the catcher for standing up. This is the, this is some of the adversity yeah. we went through as, as, yeah. as kids, man. Yeah. And, and and they took that. So I want I want I want the audience to understand. We lost that game without an opportunity to fight. We lost right. that game by the umpire saying balk on the catcher because the catcher stood up. How do you give the balk on the catcher? Right. But right. This, these are some of the adversities we experienced. Balk on the catcher. Is when you're doing a pitch out and you step from behind the plate before the pitcher releases the ball. Mm. And I'm thinking to myself, you can't even steal in the little league. You can't. <laughs> so even These are some of the adversities we experienced. And even though 
we got beaten. We got put out of that that game. Yeah. Baseball Park, Belma Heights Little League, from 1973 to 1981, we mm-hmm. went to the Little League World Series, not four, but six times. Yeah. I got a question for you. Because we're talking about this, and I, this is a question for me, because I, I want to know when you got to the minor leagues. Yeah. And if, and if, and if, it, if it, it became a business more sense, in other words, the guys that were on your team weren't, it wasn't an organic team that y'all just got kind of, y'all guys were paid to be there together. How yeah. was the, the camaraderie for the most part? Did, did, is that, was that like a, a change from you? For, for you, as far as like, well, now I'm playing around guys because they're playing because it's the way they take care of their families. It was more uh, business oriented. I mean, you know, everybody don't get along with everybody. Right. But while we on the field, you know, we playing as a team and, and it's, a, it's a unit, but, but it was more business. And, you know, everybody got different, you know, ideologies, principles. You know, it, it's a lot of different views. I was used to playing with white counterparts, you know, because I, I went and played with North Seminole. I went and played for GTYSA Rams in football. I played in high school. I played in high school with, you know, with a diverse mm-hmm. group of people. And I played in, in professional with a diverse group of people from all over the world. So it was just a, another level of just sports, man. Another level of interaction and communication, which was good for me. I, it was always respect. And uh, even sometimes when you came against, came across individuals that you may have differences or different views and opinions, you still you know, you managed to, to, to get along and, and continue to realize why you were there. It was a job. I mean, it's business, man. You you in right. one day, you out the next. And you might right. come to your locker. I'm used to you seeing guys come to their locker, man, and they got they got a sticker on their locker saying you fired. There's no communication. And, well, and they, you got a sticker on your locker saying you you've been cut. That's 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 it. You go home. I mean, and, and people don't understand that, man. You be in spring training, we fighting for positions. And you, if you get a sticker on your locker saying no more, you out of there, man. Clean that locker up. It's time to go. Same thing during the season. You might get fired during the season. It's a business, man. Right. And that's why I always talk about, you know, people always talk about, well, the owners and this. And that. I said, look here, I am with the players. I support right. the players. Right. Because the owners are going to act like owners, and they're going to treat you just like you just common child. Right. And you're gonna be in one day and out the next. So right. all that talking about take this, take a cut for the team and take this. Look here, this is a business. Right. If you want me to be in a position where I'm at, pay me. Right. Because this was this the bottom line, payday. Right. Right. And, and, and if I'm not producing, you're gonna kick me out like a like throw me out like a, 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 a dirty, dirty laundry or, or dirty liquid or dirty water. You're right. gonna throw me out the back door. And that's how mm-hmm. and that's how I interacted. That's how I felt. And that's how, that's what I got out of, it. and that's how it is even today. Right. I love what Deion Sanders did. I love Satchel Page. Get your money. You know what I'm saying? Market yourself. Put yourself in position to be to be where you want to be under your terms. Yeah. Right. Hey man, I got, I got a few more questions, man, because we got about okay. three minutes left. Our high school days, man. Y'all remember when I got I got transferred over Coach Reed? You know, <laughs> yeah. off the Hillsboro Terriers, man. Yeah. The team. Yeah. And, and I and I went to uh, Tampa Bay Tech. I transferred that same day to Tampa Bay Tech. We played our season together. Hey, that's the best that's move you ever made. You know, that's the best move you ever made. Best move ever made. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jimmy, if you didn't came out your 10th grade year, but I'm telling you, come on, man. Yeah, yeah. man. 
Hey, yeah. We had some great times, man. Some great oh, days. Man. A lot of distractions at Tech, though. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. It was some beautiful, beautiful young ladies at Tech. Tampa Bay Vocational yeah. Tech High School had the most beautiful women in the country. Right, and that's my story. I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> right, so we had some of the greatest teachers, some of the some of the greatest students, and that's why yeah. it's PT for life, man. Yeah, right. we had so many wonderful days going to the dances at Middleton High School. Come on, man, skate oh. ring, skate ring. Oh, the skating ring. I'm I said, man, I learned how to run from a fight when I was in the sixth grade. You better believe it. Yeah, it's not part of skate ring. You just dip. You got to go. You got to go. Man, then we had we had Curtis Hickson Hall. Curtis Hickson. We're, going, yeah. we're going to the, the Alien. The Alien, yes, sir. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> we're going to Fair Oaks, the Teen Center dances. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, So it, I mean, these were the, these were the days, man. And I remember John, but we were talking about how Eddie used to pull his car up on the sidewalk to the front door. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody else be in the parking lot. Like Eddie pulled up to the front door, dog. <laughs> I thought pull up. I'm like right, right up to the front the door. Lights shine through the front door and everything. Man, look, I remember yeah. I remember the team dances over in the college hill and the projects, man. Yeah. See, y'all ain't do that. I'm you know, I'm I'm, I'm all over the place. Nah, we, we didn't go to we yeah. didn't go to the park. Yeah. Man, I'm we in the park team dance, but it's probably I'm over in Riverview Terrace. I'm over and look, man, we, look, we hanging. Yeah, man, yeah. In the summertime, yeah. there's a party everywhere. During school time, man, look, it's happening, bro. Yeah, yeah. And, man, it was just so wonderful being able to be in Tampa, Florida, and and, and just have so many opportunities, man, to, to just continue to, to flourish yeah. in, in all aspects of life. And right? we always, the, the, the beautiful thing about down here, man, we always had good weather, man. Yeah. Uh, always, always outside. Yeah. You know, yeah. We had them distractions that went on in, in up north where oh it's too cold to go outside. Like, no nah, yeah. man, it rained a little bit. You wait till it finished raining, you go back outside about 30 minutes later. That's I want, it. I want us to, to acknowledge I acknowledge Coach Zeke, Coach Bobby Wiles, Coach Griffin, Coach Milton Green, Coach Jesse. I, I acknowledge, man, all of my, my, my wonderful coaches, man. You guys can acknowledge some of the coaches we you had. Coach Amarati, man. We had Coach Amarati at Tampa. Yeah. Man, that's M.O., man. We had Amarati, man. Coach Jimmy Smith at Tampa Bay. We acknowledge some of our coaches. Andrew Frazier. Andrew Frazier. Was yeah, Coach Frazier also. He coached yeah. JV. He coached JV. But I ain't get to play for you, Frazier. You was on JV. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but, hey. Yeah. I don't JV yet, now, Jimmy. Man, we had such a wonderful time, man. So we acknowledge, man. We thank those coaches and people, man, that was in our lives back then. And, mm -hmm. and and uh, we can go on for days, man. Just talking, man. We gotta, have, we gotta do it again, Jimmy. We gotta do it again. I tell people, uh, Lonnie and Johnny were so fortunate because they had the opportunities to travel with our friends Gary Sheffield, Dwight Gooden, Derek Bell. They they oh. travel with these guys throughout the country during mm -hmm. their playing days, and now we're still close friends. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And the experiences you all had, man. I mean. We'll have to chop it up again, man, for you all to talk yeah, about. It. Man, you got to, yeah. hey, man, you, hey, I, I was telling you, Nick, when we do it, we got to get all of us together. Yeah. You got to get them that experience. You got to get about five or six out and let them hike together and let them yeah. tell the stories. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That is it for this episode of Chopping It Up with Jimmy C. And with that, I want to just wish you guys a, a wonderful day, man. And, and you guys take care of yourselves. And we're going to meet up again soon after COVID 19 is over. I'll see yeah. y'all in the Bay Area. And tomorrow, yeah. 
to my audience out there. Thank you for joining in to another edition of Chopping It Up with Jimmy C. And I'll see you all soon. Peace. 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 All right. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Chopping It Up with Jimmy C. Where we celebrate life after wrongful conviction. Remember, you get to define your life. No one else. Also, don't forget to like and share our Facebook page. Sign up for our alerts so you don't miss our show. That's it. We out. Peace. One love.